Hi, good morning everybody. Uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, welcome to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. As we're going to be doing our Christmas message this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. My name is Dave Everett. Welcome to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. Anyway, uh, you can follow us uh, on multiple channels. You can uh, also follow us on our web website, lighthousediscipleship.org. All of our messages and whatnot are archived there. You can also give and donate so we can continue bringing the gospel here and around the world. And some of you might not know, we've actually, through this live stream, we are in many nations, many countries. Uh, we have over uh, almost 3,000 uh, followers on YouTube alone. Uh, so the gospel is being preached. And here this morning, we're going to talk about peace on earth. We're going to talk about the gospel message and how it relates to Christmas, uh, about this peace that we have and that the Bible calls the gospel, the gospel of peace. And so we're going to be talking about peace on earth this morning in our Christmas message. So we will have a Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock uh, on the true nature of God. And then again on Wednesday nights we have our Bible study on the new year of the Holy Spirit. We're actually in the second half of that book now talking about the Holy Spirit. And so our... And then starting next week, as long as I finish my message this morning, uh, we're going to start a new series next week called Experiencing the Holy Spirit. I didn't plan this, but our Wednesday night and our Sunday morning message will kind of be going hand in hand to some degree. So uh, anyway, uh, we're looking forward to all that. So anyway, if you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 2. <coughs> Excuse me. Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to begin this morning. Luke chapter 2, there's uh, many aspects of the Christmas story, but we're going to be focusing on, we're talking about peace on earth, that's the title of my message this morning for this Christmas uh, season. It says, born to you. I love that. Verse 11. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 11. For there is born to you. To who? You. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Now, most. Uh, the original language, that's the manger, but we're not talking about that so much this morning. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the, <coughs> the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And I want to read verse 14 again, and this is what the angels proclaim, this is what the angels sing, and they say, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. That's the, that's the, the script of my message this morning. I, but I do want to pick it back real quick on verse 11. For there is born to you. It says in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, especially verse 6. For this child, this son, was born to us, was given to us. And his name shall be wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace. Even in his name shall be called Prince of Peace. We're talking about peace on earth. 
Now, earlier in the year, I did a message, I did a series on being established in His peace. And, I, and, and in that series, in that teaching, I went a little more in depth on some of these things. A lot of this message will be kind of synopsis of some of that, some of that teaching that I did earlier in the year. But we're talking about, about, about this peace uh, that God has brought on the earth. You know, we've seen the song, Joy to the World. And it is a joy to the world. It's joy, one of the most joyful things we have is this Christ, this Son, this Savior, this Messiah, who has been born unto us. You know, I, 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 I can't get away from that phrase from Isaiah 96 where it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Jesus was born to us. Jesus was God's gift to us. Even before the cross. Because why did Jesus come? Jesus came to die. So that we could live. But this child was given to us. This child was born to us. And the angels are saying here in Luke chapter 2. It says, verse 11. It says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Joy to the world. This, the birth of Jesus signaled the end of con and it goes on to say what the angels actually said in verse 14. We're in Luke 2, 14. And it says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. You know, the birth of Jesus, Easter time we talk about the, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus, but usually at Christmas time we're, we, we, we focus, we zero in on the birth. The, the gospel to me, in its simplest form, is the birth, death, burial, resurrection, and even the, the ascension of Jesus is also included in that. The simplest form is actually the birth, uh, death, and, and resurrection of Jesus. It's the gospel. Christmas time is the time that we focus in on the birth aspect of it. And the birth of Jesus signaled the end of conflict between God and man. There was a conflict. Since the fall, since Adam sinned, there has been, there was a conflict between God and man. You'll see the wrath of God in the Old Testament. You'll see His mercy too. You'll see His grace there. But, but Jesus <coughs> signaled the end of that conflict. You know, in the fall, uh, when when God gave the consequences to to the woman and her birth pains and whatnot, gave a, gave a, 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 there was a curse toward man toward man. But there was also a curse that said there would be enmity between, between man and God. Well, that enmity between man and God ended at the cross. Because all of God's wrath, all of God's judgment was put on Jesus for all mankind. But until Jesus come, came, there was the wrath of God. And so, and, 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 and because that had not been appeased yet. But Jesus signaled the Savior of the world, this Messiah, this child, this Son, who was born to us, the son who has been given to us, the, 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 the birth of Jesus signals the Savior of the world who, who would one day, because at the birth of Jesus, he hadn't gone to the cross yet. He just, he just came. But it signaled that the Savior, this Messiah who was born to us, this child who was given to us, according to Isaiah 96, that he, he, he would one day put away sin. Because one day, this Jesus would become our sin, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21. He, 
God, I mean, you know, that he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's my favorite verse. And, and he, Jesus would one day become sin. He be, and when he became sin, he was crucified so that we could become right with God. We could have a relationship with God. You know, righteousness is in right relationship with God. It's in right position with God. But we could not have a right relationship with God because of sin. So Jesus became sin so we could be right with God. And if you, are, if you can't have a relationship with somebody, then there's no peace in that relationship. But there's peace in our relationship with God because of Jesus. He's our Prince of Peace. And, 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 and again, we're in Luke chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. But verse 14 is, this is what the angels proclaim. It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. We're talking, the title of this message, and I could title a lot of different things. I just you know, I want to put some type of title on the message. And I talk about peace on earth. So we're going to be talking a lot about peace tonight, this morning. Uh, I need to get my time clock ready. I'm still sleeping. So, uh, but peace. I, I, like I said earlier, I did a whole series on being established in this peace early on in the year. This is not going to be a series. Hopefully I'll just be a one week, one, one Sunday message. But if I don't finish, I'll continue next week. But, you know, there's peace on earth. God... Jesus signaled his peace between God and man. God and man would want forever be reconciled because of Jesus. Jesus brought that reconciliation. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Jesus forever changed the way that God relates to mankind. How God related to mankind between the fall and the cross is different how God relates to mankind after the cross. We're in a new covenant, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews. We are in a butter covenant. The covenant changes everything. The covenant didn't start at the birth of Jesus. The covenant started at the cross of Christ. But the fact that Jesus was born, this Messiah who would go to the cross had come. And that's awesome. And that's, that, that's amazing. So sure, you know, again, I talk, I'm talking a lot about, and I want to deal with this at the, at the beginning of this message, that... Jesus would, came so that he could remove the barrier of sin between man and God. There was a conflict there, between, between the fall and the, the curse of the fall and the cross. There was a conflict in, God, in, our, in man's relationship with God. Sin was a barrier. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That, that who, uh, uh, sorry, I'm trying to quote the most famous verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The goal was everlasting life. The barrier was us perishing because of sin. Sin was a problem. So Jesus became sin, so we could be the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. But God, Jesus would come and, you see, you, you'll see in the Old Testament, God's wrath being poured out from time to time. Because Jesus hadn't come yet. But Jesus did come, and all of God's wrath, all of his judgment came on Jesus for all of mankind. And so, so sure, sure in, the, in Scripture, in the Old Testament, you're going to see examples of God's catastrophic judgment on sin. But his greatest act of judgment, his greatest catastrophic judgment, was when he placed all of the world's sin uh, upon Jesus. 
and the cross forever satisfied God's wrath and since then God has not been imputing judgment or sins towards us. Go ahead and show with me uh, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and I'm going to I want to zero in on what I'm just saying right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and we'll pick it up in verse uh, 19 here in just a, just a second. So go ahead and turn there. I'll say a few things before we before the little uh, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that. But this scripture, as you're turning, I'm still want to talk a little bit about Luke. This scripture, this scripture in Luke, uh, when, when the angels came to the shepherds and began to sing glory to God in the highest good and uh, peace and goodwill toward men, is very familiar to most of us, to almost all of us. We almost hear this story almost every Christmas, those of us who are believers. <coughs> but some people think that that scripture is talking about God, that God establishing peace between mankind. And, and, and that would actually be out of context because that's not the context is not what it's talking about. And also in Matthew chapter 10, just a footnote, you don't have to go there, but it's just that uh, Jesus said, don't, don't think that I come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. And so, uh, and he goes on to say in that context that there would be, that basically there would be conflict between uh, p between uh, mother and father and, 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 and whatnot, and uh, I, I, I'm not quoting verbatim, but there, there would be conflict. There would not be peace. Um, you know, we can't have peace with one another until we first have peace with God. We love because He first loved us. Peace is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Joy is part of the fruit of the Spirit. And you, you're going to have a hard time having peace, supernatural peace, and a God's strength if you don't have peace with God yourself. But, uh, and, and, and that's another topic, but the peace that the, these angels were singing about were, uh, and, and, and saying was, was, was God's relationship with man, God's peace with man. Again, as I've just been saying, that there was a conflict between man and God because of sin, because of the fall. And prior to the, 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 uh, the birth of Jesus, there was wrath from God. Um, sorry, I said a lot of that, so I'm just going to skip forward. Second Corinthians chapter 5, so let's read that. Verse 19. Uh, start with verse 18. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him to knew no sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's the verse I just quoted a minute ago. Let's go back to verse 19 real quick. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. You know, some people have a hard time understanding even that phrase, that God has reconciled the world to himself. Is everybody saved? No. And that's because of verse 20. We'll get there in just a minute. 
because not everyone has reconciled themselves to God. God has reconciled them. God has made the, the pavement for reconciliation through the cross for the whole world. But not everyone has received that pavement. Not everyone has uh, uh, accepted uh, the, 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 the pavement for their sins, which was Jesus' death on the cross. But he goes on to say that he's not imputing their trespasses to them. What's that word impute? You know, there's two accounting words being used here. Reconciled and imputing. Imputing, the best way I like to describe this, and I know some of you listening might be in a different countries, so I don't know how you do your banking uh, in those countries, uh, per se. But here in the United States, here in the West, if you had a credit card, and every time you charge something to that card and make a purchase, you are actually imputing that charge to your account. Every time you make a payment on that credit card, you are actually that that payment is imputed to your account. So every you know until Christ came, all of our sins were imputed to our accounts. But Christ came to became our sin. He took all of our sin. He took all of our penalty because the penalty of sin was death. He took that penalty and he paid it in full. And because Christ paid it in full, it would be double jeopardy for God to charge you with the same same sin that Jesus already paid for. That would be double jeopardy. But it goes on to say in verse 20, Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's, half be, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Verse 19 says that God has reconciled us to himself, or the world to himself. But verse 20 tells you to <coughs> be reconciled with God. How does that work? Well, again, I don't know how you do your banking in the, in the, in the other countries. But here in the West, we get a, a bank statement, or we get a credit card statement. The bank or the financial institution has already reconciled their accounts. The fact that you got a statement... It tells me that they've reconciled accounts, including your account with them, and they're giving you your statement, a snapshot of your account, of all their accounts. Uh, the fact that they gave you a statement, they've reconciled their accounts. But if you don't reconcile your accounts, your own bank ledger, your own checkbook could be wrong. You know, if, if you think, and I'll take this more not so much a credit card, but a, a bank account here in the West, if you think, according to your ledger, you think you have $100 in your bank account, but the bank says you have $1,000 in your bank account, you could have 900 extra dollars that you're not using because you have not reconciled it in your mind. It could be the opposite effect. You think you have $1,000 and the bank says you have zero, and when you go charge that debit card, or you're gonna swipe that debit card, you're gonna hit, see a little word flash across the scene, decline. Because you think you haven't reconciled, you haven't reconciled your account. You think you have a thousand when the bank says you only you have zero. And if you don't reconcile accounts, if you don't reckon, now sometimes the banks make errors, and that's when you reconcile, you find the error, and you you contact the bank and you get, get it sorted out. I'm just trying to paint a picture of what uh, imputing and reconciling is like. These are accounting terms, uh, and so we, God has already paid the bill. Through the cross. He's already made reconciliation possible. 
through Jesus. He's made right. And, and what's, the, that, what's the accounting transaction? Verse 21. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus became the sin so that you can become righteous. That's the reconciliation that God has made in his ledger. But if you don't reconcile, if you don't believe it, if you don't receive it, because verse 21 is basically the gospel. If you don't believe the gospel, if you don't receive it, it won't work for you. It is, in a sense, voice activated. It's, it's faith activated, to be honest with you. We put faith in his grace. It's not just grace, this whole reconciliation is God's grace. But if we don't put faith in it, it won't work. You can't have faith without grace, and you can't have grace without faith. That's a whole other message, but it goes with this message. <coughs> you can, if you have grace and you don't have faith, you have nothing to turn it on. It's like having a car without a key. It might be a beautiful car. It might have been worth tens of thousands of dollars. But if you don't have a key, it's not going anywhere. you got to have, you know, it might have gas. It might have a... <clears throat> Everything might be working about it. It might not be a limit. It might be a great, awesome car. But if you don't have the key, it's not going anywhere. You know, we were uh, helping our neighbor a few months ago, trying to move his car and whatnot. And everything was right. We had all everything in motion of everything we had to do, do for him. There was just one major problem. He didn't know where the key was. You know? And so we had uh, to cancel everything we were going to do until he could find the key so we could do what we wanted to do for him. And finally, he, the next, later that day, he did find the key, but we had, we had already had, we had to call everyone off that were involved. And we, we were going to tow it to get it fixed for him and whatnot, but they didn't need the key. Um, and so um, we just had to, anyway, it, it won't work without the key. Grace won't work. Grace is available. You don't have to do anything to earn it. Because if you can earn it, it's not grace. Grace is unmerited favor. But and you can't earn mercy and you can't earn grace. Otherwise, it's not grace and it's not mercy. But to turn it on, to receive it. You know, when you give a gift for Christmas, you say, thank you. I believe it. But if someone gives you a gift, but you don't receive it. You know, yesterday we got a, a letter in the mail. I had to sign off for it. If I didn't sign it, the mailman can't give it to me. <laughs> It's delivered. It's here. I'm holding it in my hand. But if I don't sign it, if I don't receive it, I can't have it. You know. But faith also won't work without grace. If you don't have, if you don't believe the grace, if without grace, what are you putting your faith in? You? You putting your faith in your good works? No, we're putting our faith in what Jesus did. Jesus made the payment, but we're trusting it. God reconciled all mankind, but we have a part to play. We, in our own mind, need to be reconciled to God. What does that look like? When he, said, when he says in verse 21, He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteous of God in Christ Jesus, our conclusion should be, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who I am. That's not being arrogant. That's, being, that's who I am. That's being reconciled to God. That's what reconciliation, being reconciled to God looks like. Being reconciled to God also means I'm going to enjoy this relationship now that I know, you know, if you, you ever you ever have a, a, a friendship or a relationship with someone and maybe you, you know, there was a conflict or you thought there was a conflict 
and you did, and when they came into the room or well, you didn't know if everything was okay or not okay and so you might have been a little timid you might have been a little uh, bashful because you don't want to offend you don't want to cause a, an argument but you didn't know if we were okay uh you know maybe the next morning after there was a conflict you know, uh, is everything all right? Are we good? You know, type of thing. Well, if you don't know that you're okay with God, you're not going to approach God. You're not going to have a relationship with God. See, when man sinned back in the garden, God never hid from man. Adam hid from God. If you don't think you're okay with God, you will be the one that will refrain in your relationship with God. God is never going to forsake you. God has already reconciled the whole world. He's all, he died for everyone who didn't even want anything to do with him before they were born. But if you don't reconcile the account in your own mind, the Bible says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you don't make this mental transformation, mental, uh, it even starts out in verse 16, which we didn't read. Uh, it says, um, uh, verse 17, excuse me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold. That word behold in the Greek means to see with the mind. Behold. There's something we should be beholding. And what should we be, be, be beholding? This reconciliation that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when we know that we're reconciled, we can come boldly to his throne of grace in the time of need. It's going to hinder your faith in receiving prayer answers to your prayer if you don't think you're right with God. Because you're wondering, if maybe God will do it, maybe God won't. You don't even know where you stand with him. You think, you think, you think that he's, he's doing all this because he's mad at you? It's going to hinder your faith in whatever you're praying for. But if you know that your, your, your relationship with God is right, your relationship with God is okay, it, it's good, we're good, we're, on, we're best friends, we're, he's my God, I'm his child, we can, have, we can come boldly to the Son of Grace. It, 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 it doesn't change God, it changes you. It changes your faith, it changes your attitude, it changes your faith. And when we have faith, faith is the key that turns it on. Faith is, is awesome. And when I'm done with talking about the Holy Spirit earlier this year, later this year, 2021, I'm going to be talking about faith. You're going to have a message on that. Okay? Um... Let me catch up with my notes here. Um, go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 12. John 12. We'll pick it up in verse 27. And I'm continuing on this thought of God reconciling the world to himself. Why am I on this stop? Well, first of all, we're talking about peace and goodwill towards man. We're talking about this peace. This peace and this reconciling go hand in hand. We're at peace with God because we are reconciled with God. If we weren't reconciled with God, we wouldn't be at peace with God. You can't have, you, you, they, they go hand in hand. But John 17, I mean John 12, verse 27 I want to read a couple of verses and make some comments. Now my soul, Jesus is speaking, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour, for <coughs> this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And a voice came from heaven, 
saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore the people who stood by and heard it and said that it had it had thundered, others said an angel had spoken to him. Verse 30, Jesus answered said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now this now is the judgment of this world. Now the world now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, I let me read verse thirty two again. And I if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. Now I've heard this uh, verse, especially verse thirty two. If I be lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. I've heard this many times with people thinking that this is saying, if God is glorified in our preaching, he will draw all people to himself. And I, d I disagree with that because of the, mainly because of the context. This word men, especially if you have the King James, this word men uh, is italic, and it's italics. Italics means, especially in the King James Version, that it was added by the translators. It wasn't in the original text. And so, in context, Jesus, uh, uh, I know he's praying here, he's praying uh, uh, before he goes to the cross, but in context here, he's also talking a lot about judgment to himself. Uh, and and uh, he's he's talking about um, a lot about judgment, and I believe it's I believe it's saying this. Let me just make it simple. I believe he's saying that that if he would draw all judgment to himself, then he uh, he would draw uh, uh, he, if he would draw all uh, judgment to himself, then he would draw all people to himself. In other words, Jesus was like a lightning rod where he attracted all of God's judgment for sin so that we could be reconciled. I believe Jesus was saying, if I be lifted up, what what he could be lifted up on the cross? Like a lightning rod. Like in taking all the judgment. If Jesus would take the judgment for us, he would draw all people to himself. That's reconciliation. That's peace with God. Jesus is talking about the cross here. Yes, yes, I believe there's a sense of glorifying God. He draws people to himself. But I don't think that's what's being said here. I believe in the context. Because he's praying about going to the cross. He's praying about taking a judgment uh, on himself. And he said, if I be lifted up. And he's going to be lifted up on the cross. The disciples at, the, at this point in time didn't understand all of this. They were still... Uh, wrapping their own minds around all this. How do I know that? Because when he got arrested, they all scattered. They were all they were all they were all confused. But it all came clear to them later after the after the resurrection and whatnot. Jesus made it clear to them. But uh, he said, "If I be lifted up, I will draw all people to myself." Go with me to Isaiah fifty-two. I got several scriptures this morning, so we'll be turning. Here, three different scriptures. You know what? That's the wrong passage. I wrote down the wrong passage on my notes. Um, oh, no, this is the right one. It just says, you know, just as many were astonished at you, so his visage 
was marred more than any man, and he and his form more than the sons of men. Uh, I was really just going to quote this verse. I wasn't going to necessarily have us turn there, but anyway, we're there. Um, you know, when Jesus went to the cross, it says here in Isaiah, if you study it out, that Jesus was so marred at the cross that he, he was beyond the point of being recognizable. I mean, most of the, the, the Jesus movies that we've seen about the cross does an injustice to what the cross, how horrible the cross was. It does justice in the sense that we're, we're celebrating the, the, uh, the, you know, the, the cross and what it stands for. But Jesus, was, Jesus through the whole crucifixion uh, incident, uh, he was so marred. He wasn't recognizable. And I'm not trying to be gross. I'm not trying to be crude here. I'm just trying to be factual. Yeah, even, you don't have to turn to some of these verses, but in Psalm and John, they talk about how even though he was marred, none of his bones were broken. And, uh, <clears throat> and you know, why am I saying all of this? Because, you know, Jesus took all the judgment of God on us, but yet he wasn't totally destroyed. And, and a lot of these things were in fulfillment of prophecy as well and whatnot. But um, I want to move forward, though. Not only did he, that happen, but Ma in Matthew 27, you don't have to turn there per se, but in Matthew 27, not only was he marred, but he, God forsook him. And that was probably the, the, the most horrible part. I believe that's why he shed sweat, a blood, uh, sweat blood in, in the garden. Because, yes, being marred and being tortured and being uh, beaten like he was was horrible. But God turning his back on him on the cross was, was, was unconceivable. And why did that happen? Because Jesus became sin. And God could not look at sin. Jesus was forsaken so that you and I would never be forsaken. That's the beautiful message out of that. Okay? Jesus experienced grief and pain for us. That's why he was so marred. By his stripes, we were healed. Jesus experienced separation from God. So you and I don't have to be separated from God. We're talking about, again, peace with God. Peace on earth. We're talking about being reconciled with God. Jesus was unreconciled with God so that you and I could be reconciled to God. Jesus did it for us. Jesus was our propitiation. He was our substitute. He was our sacrifice. He was the worthy Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. How did he take away the sins of the world? He became sin. And I, why am I going through all this? Because he did all this so that we could be at peace with God. Jesus, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. But Jesus came to die horrific death, but God had forsake him and turn his back on him and all these different things so that you and I could be reconciled with God. Why did Jesus do that? Because sin. Sin means death. Sin, God can't dwell in an unholy vessel. But Jesus became that unholy vessel on the cross. So that you and I could become a holy vessel. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit soon. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the vessel of God. That God made this unholy. He became an unholy vessel. So you and I could become holy. He didn't stay that way. But at the same point in time. He did become sin. So that you and I could be reconciled with God. You and I could have peace with God. You and I could have a relationship with God. This child. This son 
was given to us, Isaiah 9, 6. He was born to us so you and I could have peace with God. When we say God is judging our sins as here in the New Testament, Old Testament, he did that. But in the New Testament, if we say that God is judging our sins as individuals or even as a nation, then we are avoiding what Christ did. And that's double jeopardy. God can't judge us for the same sins that Jesus already uh, paid for. But if we don't receive what Jesus did, if we don't receive his gift, then God, there will be a judgment for those who either, there's only two kinds of people. Those who have Christ and those who don't have Christ. Either you're in Adam or you're in Christ. Either you're born again or you're not. Either you are righteous, 100% righteous or you're 100% unrighteous. There is no middle ground. There are only two kinds of people. Either you have received Jesus or you have rejected Jesus. There's only two kinds of people. And those who have received Jesus have received what Jesus did for you at the cross. Uh, the rejection, the being marred, the judgment, the death, the, the punishment. But those who don't receive Jesus, those who won't receive what Jesus did for you, then you have to stand before God on your own without Jesus. And, and when that day comes, when Jesus comes again, you will be judged. Why? Because you, you rejected the, the provision. You rejected the, 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 you rejected the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, <clears throat> see, in other words, I'm trying to paint a picture because we're talking about peace on earth. Sin is no longer a problem with God anymore. Only those who reject Jesus will go to hell. Only those who reject Jesus will go to hell. You will not answer for your sin. Jesus already has. You will answer for your acceptance or your rejection of Jesus. If you accept Jesus, you'll go into heaven. If you reject Jesus, you'll go to hell. That's as simple as that. I'm not so much meaning it must be a salvation message, but it fits. And it's, it's that simple. And why not receive? It's a free gift. It's called the gift of righteousness. It's called the gift of salvation. This child, this son, was given to you, was born to you. The, the angels announced in Luke chapter uh one or two, I forget what chapter we were in. I think Luke chapter 2, verse uh, 11, says this child was born to you. Jesus was given to you. We're talking about Christmas. Christmas is where we give gifts. Well, Jesus gave you the first one. God gave you the first gift, and that is Jesus' salvation. The Lord is salvation. Now, I want to switch gears a little bit. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, we'll, we'll look at verse 1. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to stop there just for a moment. I should read it again. Therefore, having been justified by faith, 
we have in pe we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've already talked about the state, but we're going to be talking about it a little bit more. But before I go there, I want to use uh, I want to piggyback on this word therefore. The word therefore is actually connecting what he just said in chapter four. And in chapter four, he was talking about how Abraham was made righteous by his faith. And, uh, you know, he talks about the righteous of God by faith in, in Romans chapter 4. Actually, if you just back up a few verses, go over to back to verse 23, or, uh, uh, verse 22. Romans 4, 22, four verses earlier. And therefore it was accounted to him, Abraham, for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. There's that word imputed again. But also for us, it shall be imputed to it shall be imputed to us who believe in Him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, <clears throat> who was delivered up because of our offenses. There's that lifting up again, and was raised because of our justification. Now, word justification and the word righteousness are the exact same word in the Greek. Righteousness and justification is the exact same word. You can use those words interchangeably because they are the same word. We are, he was raised for our justification. We talk a lot about that during Easter time. But, but going back to verse 22 for a second, he, it was accounted to him for righteousness. What was accounted to him for righteousness? His faith. If you, if, if you read the rest of the chapter, he was accounted for him for righteousness. Now, Paul Throughout the Romans chapter 4, Paul had just proven that Abraham was justified by faith. He was declared righteous by faith. He spent the whole chapter in Romans chapter 4 talking about that. He's actually been talking about this all the way since chapter 1. But more specifically about Abraham in chapter 4. These truths were not written for his sake alone, but also for our sakes. But now that he, he's established the fact that we're justified by faith, we have faith in His grace. That's how we are declared righteous. That's how we are right with God. That's how we have peace with God because we have faith. <coughs> we have faith in His grace. Am I making sense? He's established that. Now that we have faith in His grace and we're justified, now Paul in chapter 5 is talking about the benefits of being justified by grace. And the first benefit he talks about is peace with God. Now, now that we are justified with God by faith, there are benefits. And the first benefit he's talking about is we have peace with God. That is a benefit. Okay? Peace, let me, let me just say it this way. This is probably the heart of my message right now. Is that peace can only come when we relate to God on the basis of faith in his grace. I'll say that again. Peace can only come when we relate to God on the basis of faith in His grace. I'm going to say it again. Peace can only come when we relate to God on the basis of faith in His grace. If you do not relate to God on the basis of faith in His grace, you will not have peace with God. What do I mean by that? Those, what I mean by that, those who think they must perform up to some standard to be accepted by God, 
will not have peace. That puts the burden of salvation on our shoulders, and we can't bear it. You cannot make yourself righteous. You cannot make yourself justified. There is nothing you can do in the natural that will make yourself accepted. It's by grace. Grace is unmerited favor. You, once you merit something, once you try to earn something, it's no longer grace. But we're putting faith in his grace. Your performance, Bible calls your if you put in, if you, Bible calls self-righteousness like filthy rags. It says that in Isaiah chapter 64, I think it is. Paul deals with self-righteousness. He compares self-righteousness with the true righteousness of God in Romans chapter 10. We're not talking about self-righteousness where you're boasting in what you're doing. We're boasting in what he's done. This child came to do something. We're boasting what this child has come to do. And what did he come to do? He came to bring peace and goodwill towards man. How did he do that? Through the cross. And we have peace with God because we have received his grace by faith the same way Abraham did. One of the bit we're reconciled with God, we're right with God, we're righteous, we're justified before God because we put faith in what God did for us the same way Abraham put faith in God. One of those benefits is that we have peace with God. When you know that you are right with God based on on what he did, you have peace. But if you think you have to keep doing it, you have to keep doing something to be right with God, you will never have peace. Joseph Prince talks about this in his uh, book, I think, Unmer uh, Unmerited Favor. I think that's the one. But anyway, he talks about how he was raised in, in, in the faith movement. And he was always, and uh, someone else recently just told me this too, but uh, he just, you know, they, were, they always thought there were some unconfessed sins and they were always confessing about everything, every single, every waking hour, they were confessing, 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 you know, because anything that's not a faith of sin, so it's not just what they did wrong, it's what they did done right. <laughs> and the Bible says there no, there's no righteous, no, not one. But it doesn't stop there. It puts a comma where many of us put a period to being justified freely by the grace that to the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. We are right with God because of what he did. We have to trust it. Yes, there are some corresponding actions to it, but the corresponding actions is called the fruit of righteousness. It's called the fruit of holiness. It's the fruit. If you, if you, if you sow seed and it's watered properly and it's abiding in the vine properly, it's going to have fruit. But if you're trying to do it, if you're trying to earn it, you know, an apple tree doesn't struggle to make an apple. It just abides in the vine. And, and, and so, um, let's see, where am I at? Let's go to, well, we know that uh, Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith it's impossible to please God. You know, we're talking about, and, and again, I switched the tone a little bit about, you know, you can't have peace with God if you're struggling in your own performance to try to be right with God. But, but faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. How do you please God? You just trust his word. You trust his gospel. You trust what Jesus did. You trust, you just, 
You know, when you get a gift for Christmas, you just say, thank you, Lord, I thank you for the cross. I receive it. I keep going, I keep quoting this, but go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And then out of your, uh, yourselves, it's not your performance, it's not you. It is the gift of God. Not, the, not of works. Yes, anyone should boast. You are not boasting of what you've done. You're boasting of what he's done. If there's any good things I've done, pastoring, anything I've done good, it's because of God in me. It's because of his grace. Okay? But you were saved. Here's my point I'm getting to now. You were saved by faith, but we can also continue to walk by faith. It started with faith in his grace, and it continues to have faith in that grace. Go with me to Colossians chapter 2. If you want to please God, just trust his gospel. Trust his grace. That's how it started. You heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and you became saved. In the book of Acts, that's how it happened every single time. They heard, <coughs> they heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and were saved. You started that way. This is how we now walk by faith. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, Colossians 2, verse 6. And I'm going to toggle to the King James. I'll make a point here in just a moment about that. Colossians 2, verse 6. As you have therefore, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. <coughs> as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. As the same way you received Christ. How did you receive Christ? You heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and were saved. He put grace in his faith. I mean, he put, I'm sorry, I said that backwards. He put faith in his grace. Okay? And then he goes on to say, as you have therefore received Christ, so walk ye in him. Well, I like the King James because the King James has a colon at the end of verse 6. A colon tells me he's going to expound on what he just said. He's going to define, he's going to explain what he just said. That, that, that's the way I put it in my mind. This phrase, walking in him, what, is that, what does walking in him look like? Being rooted, built up, and established in the faith. It says in Romans chapter 1, 16, we, uh, it, uh, that this, the right of God that's revealed is from faith to faith. How many of you know we're, trans we're transformed from glory to glory, from grace to grace, from faith to faith, for the just, the righteous, shall live by his faith. We live, we walk by faith, not by sight. The same way you receive Christ 
in the same way you walk in him, being rooted and grounded in the faith. As you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. You abound with thanksgiving. When you receive it, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that you're my life. I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but the life I live, I live by the faith of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This faith, we started with faith in his grace. We continue with faith in his grace. We also understand that, that salvation is an all-inclusive word that means wholeness, healing, provision, uh, our prosperity, uh, um, deliverance. If you need healing, you put faith in his grace. You need provision, put faith in his grace. You need deliverance, you need wholeness, whatever you need, put faith in his grace. This child was born to you, his son was given to you, and it says in Isaiah that the government will be upon his shoulders. Christ is in you. He's giving you Jesus. You are right with God. It says in 1 John 3, 1, that behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon you, that you should be called a child of God. You're his child. You're sitting with him on his, he also said, uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, the verses before, that I think it's verse 6, that, no, uh, uh, I think it's verse 6, we're sitting together with him in heavenly places. We're sitting with him on the throne of God. We read last, a couple weeks ago in our previous message that we can ask anything in his name, he'll do it. We have a good, good father. We have an awesome God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever ask or imagine according to his power. That is at work in us. And in Ephesians chapter uh, uh, 3, when he says that, he, he wants us to be rooted and grounded in love and in, in faith. Faith is working. Trust his grace. Trust his love. Trust his gospel. Trust it. Rely on it. But how do we do that? Where does faith come from? The Word of God. You need to have a... We've been teaching a lot in this church. You need to have a relationship with God. You need to have a relationship with the Word. Because we get all kinds of information all day long from the media, from ourselves, from family, from loved ones, from different people. But we just need to trust... Him. We need, but we need to have a regular diet. Sometimes we just need to... to uh, the word I used to use. But we just need to... Uh, um, Get recharged. We need to replenish our minds and, and with all kinds of other stuff. Some of it's not always junk, but some of it is junk. And we just need to, to um, reprogram. That's why we come to his table of remembrance. That's why we come to his table of remembrance. Remember that his body was broken for us. The cup of his covenant. Remembering, we need to remember we are in a relationship with God. We are in a covenant relationship with God. That's what David did. I know this is Old Testament, but David knew he had a covenant relationship with God. And when he came on the scene with Goliath, this, he knew this Goliath was going to come down. Why? Because he had a relationship with God. He didn't come against him with stone. It wasn't the, the stone that killed Goliath. It was the name of the Lord. Yes, he used that. Because that's what David had in his hand. And that's a whole other message I can, I can teach on. But if we don't understand how to walk by faith, if we don't understand how to put faith in his grace, 
And we are, instead we're putting faith in what we're doing. We're putting faith in our performance. We're putting faith in everything we're doing right. Am I saying we don't do things right? No. Am I saying we don't live holy? No. Am I saying we don't live righteously and godly? No. But it's not you. It's Christ in you that's doing it. Are you trusting you? Are you trusting what you're doing? Are you putting faith in what you're doing? Are you even putting faith in what you're praying? Are you putting faith in God? There's a difference. There's a difference between, Lord, did I say the right thing? Did I pray it the right way? Or am I putting faith in, you said I can ask, I'm asking. And sometimes we need to just put our religions, Jesus said, by your traditions you make the word of God of no effect. And sometimes our traditions, our religious traditions, we mean well, but our traditions, we're putting faith in what we're doing instead of God, instead of His grace. And that's the difference between, you know, there's some things in that, underneath the hood of that car, if it's not connected right, it won't work. There's more than just the engine and the gasoline and the key. There's some things I've, I've gone to the mechanic and he said it wasn't working because of this. I, I didn't even know the car had that. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I didn't even know it had that part, you know. Um, so it just, uh, you know, but... It's simple, for us, it's simple. For him, it's complicated. We just need to put faith in his grace. We live that way. We, we walk. It's a lifestyle. This whole, we, the just so live by his faith. But when, when, when we are strugg struggling, striving, you know, the Bible says in James chapter 3, verse 16, where there's envy and strife, there's every evil work. Now, strife can be obviously a strife between people and an argument, a discord. We're talking about being reconciled with God. We're talking about being at peace with God. But if we're striving to get God to answer our prayer, to me, that's a, that's a form of strife. And where there's strife, there's every evil work. It works backwards. You ever seen, seem like some of your prayers are going backwards <laughs> instead of forwards? Stop striving and be at peace with God. Rest in his word. Rest. You know, this, this word trust, I mean, this word faith can be defined as resting. We labor to enter into that rest. Sometimes it's a labor, it's a labor to get my mind to, Jesus said, he will keep you in perfect peace, he whose mind is stayed upon him. It's a labor sometimes to get our mind stayed on him, but the, the, we just need to rest in his Word. Rest in His grace. That God will do what He says He will do. God is who He says He is. And, you know, there was a Beth Moore book I, I, I read many years ago when I was in a hard time. And it was titled, Believe in God. Just believe God. Abraham, Abraham believed God. Going back to Romans chapter 3 and 4. It says, Abraham believed God. He never even considered how old he was. He only considered one thing, what God said. He never reasoned. He never wavered. He only considered one thing. God said, I'm going to be a father. I'm, it's done. It's settled. It's resolved. It's reconciled in my mind. But we need to have that resolve. We need to have that quickening in our own minds. I know the doctor said this, but my God said, by his stripes I'm healed. I'm resolved in my mind, I am healed. It's resolved in my mind, 
I know the economy, the world's economy is like this, but I'm part of God's economy, and God says He shall supply my needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I need to be reconciled that my God is going to supply my needs. I can change the scenario, I can change the prayer, but I, you know, and where does all that faith and where does all that rest come from? Knowing His Word. And when God says uh, this, God says I can ask. He told me six times in three chapters I can do ask anything in His name, and He will do it. Either I believe God, or I believe my circumstances in spite of God's word. You know, uh, there's facts and there's truth. The facts can change. The truth will never change. If the facts don't line up with the word of God, guess what has to change? Now, just because God's going to meet my needs doesn't mean he's not going to tell me to do something. He says in Deuteronomy that he will, get, he will give you the wisdom to get wealth. He might tell you to go get a job. He might even tell you to go get a job in a place you don't want to get a job, McDonald's or somewhere. Do you, I believe that God can take that that minimum wage job and multiply that seed? If, if God can take the loaves and the fish of one boy's lunch to feed thousands, he can take what you have. He says in Psalm 90 verse 17 that he will bless the work of your hands. That means you get to work. Even if it's volunteer work, God can bless your work of your hands. But don't be complacent. Don't be doing nothing. Don't trust what you're doing. Trust his word. But put, put action to that faith. Put action. Put response to. Ask him, Lord, Lord, this is my situation. I can't work because of this and that. I don't have income. What do you want me to do? God, we work, you know, even if I have a job, I do it unto the Lord, not to man. God is my source, not my employer, or not my clients or customers if I have my own business. I'm a pastor. That we have... Our offerings have been down the last several months. But the people, you, are not my supplier. God is. I'm not trusting our plate. I'm trusting God. But God will meet our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God is my source. And so, uh, you know, but God will, I just know whatever I do, I do it unto the Lord. And God will meet my needs. And God meets our needs. And so, um, anyway, I can get off on this. I want to finish this up, though. Um, <clears throat> go with me real quick. Uh, let me just say, let me just say some of this. No, the gospel of Christ is also called the gospel of peace. It talks about that in, in uh, a couple of different scriptures, but one primarily is Ephesians. Well, it talks about the armor of God. Shod your feet with the the the, 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 the gospel of peace. The our. It says uh, in um, Isaiah 52, verse 7, uh, how beautiful are the mountains of the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who proclaims salvation, and declares that my God reigns. My feet are shod in the gospel of peace. You know, when I get, we get called, we get called sometimes to go to, uh, in, a, in a time of crisis, where there, maybe there's a marriage conflict, Maybe there's someone in the hospital, there's been a tragedy of some kind, or whatever, we get that, those calls. But when I get those calls, a lot of times when you arrive on the scene of the situation, there's strife, there's, there's anxiety, there's fear, there's all kinds of emotions from different things. The first thing I usually do is proclaim peace. And there's other things I want to minister, but until I can get some peace in the room, until I get some peace, it's going to be hard to minister. 
You know, when someone in, in anxiety, it's hard to reason. It's hard to have a conversation with them because they're they're uh, uh, emotional about the thing. But I proclaim peace and then I proclaim salvation. I declare my God reigns. I understand this is a situation, but God's going to reign in this situation. God, I understand that this situation, this conflict has been reigning for however many months or years. Because uh, usually the conflict didn't just start in one argument. Usually it started further, further down. But uh, usually, but uh, even so, uh, I bring peace. I bring, I bring salvation uh, to this. I proclaim salvation. I, I, I proclaim peace to this situation. And I declare that my God's going to reign. That this situation's not going to reign. Satan's not going to reign. Sickness is not going to reign. Death is not going to reign. God's going to reign. And he does reign. And I proclaim that. Uh, but we have the gospel of peace. And we can, we can, we can, uh, um, we can shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Sometimes we just need to get our armor on. Sometimes we just need to get our shoes on. Shoes represent where I'm standing on. Represents what I'm, and, then, and you know, they're shod with the the gospel peace. If you know many sports, many activities, if you don't have the right shoes on, you can't do that sport well because it's your foundation of you. And so, some sports need certain things on those shoes, or a certain uh, configuration of those shoes, so that you can do, you can have a right stance, so you can do that job. For just some examples, some. Some some shoes have cleats on them. Ice skating have a blade on it. <laughs> you can't ice skate until you have ice skates on. Good luck trying that in the other way. You know roller skates. You know I mean some of these are silly examples, but you can't rollerblade if you don't have blades on. It just doesn't work. You know, uh, and the, I mean there's some other thing. I mean golf shoes have spikes on them. Uh, the uh, bowling shoes have uh, a cer certain configuration to it. Uh, and so, you know, if you don't have the right stance, you can't, in some situations, you can't play the sport well. Uh, it, it just, it depended on it. And I'm just playing the picture that our shoes, our stance, what are we, what am I, if I'm going to have faith in something, what am I standing on? Are you standing on the doctor's report? Or are you standing on the word of God? I understand, no disrespect to the doctor or even his report, but the God, my, my, it says in Isaiah 53, I think, whose port will you report? Whose report will you believe? I want to believe God's report. The first report you get is not always the last report. How many of you know the report you get from the doctor, the report you get from your banker, the report you get from someone else can change, but his word will never change. And I can't have peace if I don't think the circumstance can change. But the circumstance can change. Why? Because God is on the throne. This child, this son who was given to us, it says that the government will be upon his shoulders. And it says it will be an everlasting uh, um, uh, government um, forever. I'm almost out of time here. So let me just get some more uh, thoughts here before we, 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 we end. Isaiah 42, you don't have to turn there. Let me just read some stuff to you because we're almost out of time. It says that her warfare is over, or her warfare is accomplished. Her iniquity is pardoned. How was we were at war with God because of sin? How did that sin get? How did that sin get accomplished? How did that iniquity get pardoned through Jesus? These are all messianic prophecies who are part of our Savior. 
Jesus bore our punishment so that we could be reconciled to God. It says in Colossians 1.20 that we have peace through, with the, this peace came through the blood sacrifice of Jesus. We have peace with God because of the blood of Jesus. We are in a new covenant. You know, when we celebrate communion, we celebrate the blood of his covenant. And because of our covenant relationship with God, we have peace with God. All of our sins were placed on Jesus so that we could have peace with God. It says in Isaiah 54, verses 9 and 10, that we have a covenant of peace. And we need to be establishing it. Our covenant relationship with God, the blood of his covenant, is peace. In which God will never be angry or rebuke us. Why? Because God was angry and rebuked Jesus for you. If God rebuked and was angry with Jesus, and now he's rebuking and angry with you over the same sin that Jesus paid for, then in one sense God is, we are saying that God didn't, uh, Jesus accomplished nothing. But Jesus did accomplish something. And God is not going to do double jeopardy. God is not going to judge you for the same sin that Jesus judged you if you receive his reconciliation, if you receive his forgiveness. If you receive Jesus. Um, in closing, I want to go to two more scriptures and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. Go to me to Isaiah 53. Again, we're talking about peace on earth. Isaiah 53 is the most famous passage of scripture that talks about the cross. And I'll start with verse 5. Actually, that's where I want to actually I'll start with verse 4. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Many of us have heard this many times. Surely he hath borne. Actually, let me toggle back to the New King James real quick. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. This is a phrase I want to zero in on, though. The chastisement. For our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were, or we are, healed. The chastisement for our peace. Friends, Jesus was chastised for your peace. He went to the cross. So that you could have peace with God. And in, in closing, turn with me to Romans 15. 
Romans 15. Verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me read that again. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. In believing. That's faith. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about the power of the Holy Spirit in the weeks to come. I'm titling the message, Experiencing the Holy Spirit. Because I'm going to be taking it from a, a point of having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Um, but, so, uh, but I want to uh, end this verse one more time. Romans 13, 15. Now, uh, no, Romans 15, 13, backwards. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll bring the Holy Spirit aspect in in the next several weeks as we go over talking about experiencing the Holy Spirit. But it says that, that you can be filled with joy and peace in believing. There's a faith I've been talking about. You know, and when you believe God, because part of the fruit of the, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit, part of the fruit of the Spirit, which we'll get into a little bit later, it, uh, in other weeks to come, is joy and peace. Joy and peace is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we can have peace. You know, we can be in a very, uh, uh, Joseph Prince talks about, and he got this from another source, but there was this art contest between all these artists. And they were all supposed to paint a, a, a portrait or a picture of something that resembled peace. And most of the, the artists, they would draw a nice peaceful land or scenery of some type or whatnot. But this one particular artist, he, he, I mean, he used the, the roughest brush strokes, and he, it was very violent, it was a stormy sea, and the storm clouds, and the sea was stormy, it was violent, it was, it was just, it was very, uh, it was it just uh, violent, I just can't think of all the right words to describe it, and yet in the, in the, in the midst of all this violence, in the midst of all this ca uh, uh, chaos of the storm, and the sea, and the cliff of the rock was this eagle's nest. With a mother eagle uh, uh, having the eaglets underneath her wing, and they were all fast asleep. And that that artist won the prize, because you can be in the storm of your life. We there's a lot of chaos, a lot of stuff going on in our world right now, in these last days. But we can. That's what the Book of Revelation is all about: keeping your eyes on Jesus. Because Jesus said, keep, you know, and even Peter, when he walked in the water, when he got his eyes off Jesus, he sank. But when he kept his eyes on Jesus, he walked in the water. The focus, the source of your, your peace is Jesus. And we can abound. Peter says, grace and peace 
multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. We can multiply. We can abound in peace because the source of our peace is not the things going on in the world. And we are not the source of our peace. Peace comes from God. And it's a gospel of peace. We have a covenant of peace. Isaiah 54 verse, uh, 54 verse 9 10. We have a relationship with God. And that's peace. Because no matter what goes on, this world, even if I die, I'm going to be with the Lord. I'm not saying I want to die prematurely and I don't want to die a horrible death. But even either way, I win. I have peace with God. And because, you know, even Paul said, it's better to, I would rather be with Christ. But it's better for me, it's better for me for your sake that I stay. Paul wasn't selfish. He knew that he stayed for so we could hear the gospel and whatnot. But he would rather be with the Lord. I would rather be with the Lord. Because <laughs> there's, there's not going to be any more strife. There's going to be any, any of the problems you're facing, you're not going to have them in heaven. But I don't want to go before my time. But I can have peace with God despite what I go through. You know, even Corrie ten Boom, when she was in the consecration camps, some of you might not know who she is, but during the, the Holocaust and then that she was uh, uh, arrested uh, because she, he and her family hid, hid some Jews. And she said, you can, you can do all these different things, but you can't make me hate. Because she had the love of God. She had the nature of God. Even in all the torture, all the horrible things she had to go through, she had God. And she came out victorious, not just because she was eventually freed. But she came out victorious. She was victorious, even in the midst of all that hate, all that torture, all that evil. She had a relationship with God that kept her. Uh, and so we have, uh, we can have peace with God. Again, we're celebrating peace on earth. Glory to God and highest peace on earth good, and goodwill towards man. God is not mad at you. Why? Because he took it all out on Jesus. Just believe the gospel. And his grace will teach you how to live godly. Will teach you how to respond. Will even teach you how to respond to some of the evil that's going on in our world. Sometimes you might be called to say something and do something. Sometimes you might be called just to be quiet. To be still and know that he is God. And so how will you know what to do when? Have a relationship with God. It all stems from walking by faith. Walking so if you're walking by faith, you're walking with God because you can't have faith outside of God. You can't have, even the faith that we have is, is part of the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> even faith is the fruit of the Spirit. Even faithfulness is for, for, for the Spirit. And it's all it's, faith is a gift of God. And uh, anyway, there's a lot I can expand on that. Uh, Lord, we just worship you. Lord, uh, we just thank you for Christmas. We thank you for Christmas. We thank you for Christ. And I don't know what everyone is going through. I don't know what everyone's circumstance is. I may be listening. But Lord, your, word, your gospel says I can proclaim peace. Your gospel says I can proclaim your, gospel, your salvation. Your gospel says that I can declare that my God reigns. That our God reigns. And I speak peace. And I speak salvation over the storms, over the circumstance. I thank you for your peace. I thank you for your wisdom where wisdom is needed. 
I thank you for the supernatural manifestation of God. I thank you for miracles, where miracles are needed. I thank you for the miraculous, where the miraculous is needed. I thank you, Lord, that we have an awesome God who reigns. I thank you for your peace. I thank you that we are right with you, those of us who have received you, because of what Jesus did. And we received that. We not only received it when we were born again, but Lord, help us to walk in that, in our, in our, in our, in our view, in our vision, every day. That we were, we come to your table of remembrance every day. Remember your, your, your. Uh, uh, that, that you bore our stripes for us. That you, that you, um, your body that was broken for us and the, the covenant of your, the blood of your covenant, our covenant relationship with God. So when we come across the scene just like David and Goliath, we know that we have a covenant relationship with you. And we're going to come out victorious because Jehovah Nisi is our God. Jehovah Shalom. God is our peace. He's our healer. He's our provider. He's our sanctification. He's our Emmanuel. He's with us. He's our righteousness. And we just thank you, Lord. We worship you. We pray for our nation. And during these times of uh, civil conflict and revolutionary conflict, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for Christ. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Prepare our hearts in advance, Lord, as we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit in the next few weeks. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen and amen. God bless you. All right. Merry Christmas. We'll see you tonight at 6, Wednesday at 7. So we still have two more services before Christmas. But if we don't, Merry Christmas, and we'll see you after Christmas. God bless you guys.